we are glad that you're here today. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Psalms 34. We'll hop around a lot, but that's where I want to draw our text from. Um, David Wilkerson, who's famous for writing The Cross and the Switchblade, um, in his book, wrote of a story. He said, a suburban pastor maintains services appropriate for his respected professional parish. So it's one of those uppity type places. He says his father was an excitable traveling evangelist, however, and visited and challenged the congregation to confront pride and sing out loudly with the windows open. The next day, the pastor's banker mentioned overhearing, and he was sheepish about it. The buttoned-up banker said, though, that the neighborhood had been waiting to hear the church live out the joy they claimed. And I think that's the truth a lot of times. As we as Christians, we talk about the joy that we have in Christ, and it's important that we start showing that, amen? That when we walk in church, there's nothing wrong with clapping your hands or stomping your feet or saying amen or shouting or crying, that we have a joy in Christ that the world needs to be able to see. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Church should be a good thing. It should be something that we look forward to. And there are times when we come and everything is good in our life and, and we're, we're happy to be there. And there are other times maybe when things are more difficult. But we still need to be in God's house and we still need to lift His name up. God's house should always be a place, shouldn't it, devoted to worship, uh, to lifting up God. Michael Horton said this, Vagueness about the object of our praise inevitably leads us to making our own praise the object. Praise, therefore, therefore, becomes an end in itself, and we are caught up in our own worship experience rather than in the God whose character and acts are the only proper focus. I believe that's true sometimes. People come into church, and all it is is just about what we're doing and about how we are, and this place ought to be where we lift up the name of Jesus, that it shouldn't just be about what we're doing. William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, said, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. Worship is important, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. A.W. Tozer said, Worship is the normal employment of human beings, and that was his way of basically saying, it is what we are designed to do. We were created to worship God. That is our ultimate purpose, and we are most happy when we are doing what God designed us to do. And so, as we look at the passages today, we're going to talk about worshiping God, not only in the good times, but even in the difficult times. Uh, Psalms 34, verses 1 through 3. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. That's a great passage. And David, or, or the, the psalmist, writes, and he says, I, I will exalt the name of the Lord. I will lift up God. And then ultimately, he ends it by saying, let us do it together. Uh, again, there are easy times and there are difficult times when we worship God. Uh, this week, we've had kind of a, a heartbreaking week here in this church. As most of you know, Brother Victor and Cindy lost their daughter. And uh, I just, when that thing, sort of thing happens, you just wonder, how do we, how do we come and celebrate on Sunday? But no matter what goes on in the world around us and our lives, we have to hold to this promise that God is good, that His name must be exalted. Matt Redman, who writes a lot of contemporary Christian choruses, was asked one time, what do you do when you don't feel the joy of worship? And he put it beautifully. He said, you can't breathe out until you've breathed in. 
breathe in God's love regularly, pray, spend time in His presence, and then breathe out through worship. And so really, that's, that's what it's all about. If, if, you, if we're not spending time with God regularly in His Word, talking to Him, praying, then when we come to church, our worship's going to be difficult. But man, when we've been pulling it all in throughout the week, we come to church, we should just be overflowing with the goodness of God. We should be excited about what He's done in our lives and, and noticing the prayers that He's answering. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And it's not always easy. David knew that it wasn't easy. Remember, David is the psalmist anyway, and, and he is famous for his psalms of praise. But David had times in his life when it was difficult. David had sinned with Bathsheba, and she had bore a child, and the child got sick as a result of David's sin, and the child died. And the Scripture records in 2 Samuel the process. It said, David arose from the earth after the child has died. He washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And it says, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. David knew that no matter what goes on around us, what he had to do was clean himself up and get to God's house and worship the Lord. Another passage is Psalms 137 that talks about the difficulty of worship. Psalms 137 isn't a psalm written by David, but it's more than likely written by a captive from Babylon. Some believe that Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, perhaps wrote it. Listen to what it says. It says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willow there we hung our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And the writer says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And so it's not always easy to praise God. Here they're in, they're in prison, prisoners of war, and their captives are saying, Sing us one of your worship songs. And he says, How do we do this? How do we sing this? It is difficult when we're not where we want to be to worship God, but still we must worship Him. I want to give you some reasons why worship is extremely important. Worship, first of all, reminds me of God's greatness, doesn't it? When we come together and we lift up His name, it ought to remind us of how great God is. Sometimes we know that He's there and and we know that we carry God's Word in our hand and we know that we're going to God's house on Sunday and we know that we pray to God, but sometimes it's just good for us to lift up our voices and sing about the greatness of God. Sometimes it's good for us just to talk about all the good things that God has done in our life and talk about the power that He has to overcome things, obstacles in our life. Sometimes we just need to worship so that we can be reminded of the greatness of God. This world that we live in is filled with all sorts of heartache. There are things that are just overwhelming to us in this world. And sometimes we look at the condition of our country even and we say, will this mess ever get straightened out? Sometimes we look at the morality of man and we see the depravity and the sin and the wickedness of the world around us. And we say, how much worse can it get? And what's going to be done about this? Sometimes we look at situations in our own lives and we feel hopeless and helpless, but we need to be like David and get to the house of God and worship God because worshiping God reminds us of his greatness. Psalms 143, listen to the words. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And then he says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. That's our God. He is great. He is greatly to be praised. And He says His greatness is unsearchable. 
We couldn't even begin to describe how great our God is. Mark Batterson in the book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, said this, Worship is forgetting about what's wrong with you and remembering what's right with God. Man, isn't that the truth? That when we walk in these doors, we just kind of forget about us and our problems and we realize what's right with God. That He loves us, that He cares about us, that He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. That He's got a home that He's preparing for us. But until He comes to receive us, He listens for our prayers and He intervenes in our life and He does great and miraculous things. We worship because we need to be reminded of the greatness of God. We also need to worship because worship expresses our trust in God. It expresses our trust in God. And how much more does it express that trust when maybe things seem to be falling apart all around us? And it seems like nothing is going right. The whole world is perhaps closing in on us. And yet when we come into God's house and lift up our voices and sing to Him, when we lift up our voices in prayer, when we celebrate in God's house, it's as if we're telling God, no matter what's going on around me, God, I still trust you. I know, God, that you can handle this. I know that you can lift me up. I know that you can give me victory in my life. It gives us the the idea and the understanding that we trust God. Isaiah said this, For my thoughts, in God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And that's pretty obvious, isn't it? And what he's really saying is God thinks in a whole different way than we do. And whatever we think, if it is in opposition to what God thinks, God is right. God is right. And sometimes we don't always understand what God is doing. And that's really what he's getting at. We may not understand what he's doing, and we may not understand his ways. But then he says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are going to be things that happen in our lives that we look at and we examine and we think about and we just don't have answers. Sometimes we ask, why did this happen? Why why is this taking place? How could such a tragedy occur in people's lives? And really, sometimes we have no answer, do we? And it requires us just at those times to worship God and trust Him, that He knows what He is doing. And that trust is is not unfounded. Romans 8 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. We can trust a God who promises us that even though difficult times come, that all of these things are going to come together and they're going to do something in our lives, in our world, that is good, God says. He can take the things that we would rather not deal with and He can mix them together in such a way that it turns out good. That is amazing. And so we worship because it expresses our trust in God. We worship also because worship brings us closer to God. And how close do we need to be to God in the day and age that we live? We need to be as close as is humanly possible. Peter Kreft said, One moment of prayer, of weak worship, confused contrition, tepid thanksgiving, or pitiful petition will bring us closer to God than all the books of theology in the world. I love that. Because even at our very weakest moments when we are worshiping God, 
It draws us closer to Him than spending hours in a book somewhere studying God. That when we, with a feeble voice, simply call out to God, and maybe in the midst of our prayer break into tears, and maybe we don't even understand what to say, at those moments when we fall on our knees and and words can't even form in our mouths and we are just broken before God, in those moments we are drawn closer to God. That is a wonderful feeling. James says, if we would draw nigh to God, He would draw nigh to us. Hebrews 4 tells us this about being close to God. He says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he speaks of Jesus and he says that he understands what we're going through. That he knows what we experience because he has experienced it. And then he says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace to help in times of need. We need to worship God because it draws us closer to him. And the closer we are to God, the less likely we are to find ourselves in trouble. The closer we are to God, the safer that we are. Remember taking your children to the mall or to Disneyland or somewhere where there were crowds of people and you take your children and you want to keep them as close to you as possible. When our children were growing up, we held their hand and brought them close to us. Today, you put a leash on your children and you hold them close to you. And some people get offended by that, but in this world, man, I'm going to keep my kid as close as humanly possible. I might even get a chain and chain them to my ankle or something. Because the closer a child is to their parent, the safer they are. And the closer you and I are to God, the safer we are. Hebrews 10 says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He says, draw near to this great high priest. Draw near to Jesus. And worship brings us close to him. James 4 said, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's this picture of reaching out to God, and as soon as we reach out, we see God reaching right back to us. And as soon as we throw our arms around him, his arms go around us. He is, in essence, assuring us that if we would reach for God, there's a promise that he's reaching to us. And so when we come into this place, when our desire is to worship God and to feel God's presence and to hear God's voice, trust me, when we come in with that heart and that desire, what James is indicating is that God is ready to do just that. That He's ready to speak to us. He's ready to move our hearts. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. And we worship God because worship allows the Holy Spirit to help us. And I need lots of help, don't you? There are times when we look at what lies ahead of us and it just wears us out thinking about what we have to do. You ever have any of those Sunday nights where you go home and you finally relax for the day and then you think about all that's got to be done this week and you're just worn out and we need help and God comes along and he says, I'm going to help you. Or maybe it's uh, somebody that we need to talk to. Or maybe it's an issue we need to deal with at work. Or maybe it's a struggle going on in our home. Maybe it's something with our children. And we don't know what to do, but when we worship God, it allows His Holy Spirit to help us. Listen to Romans eight twenty six. He says, Likewise, 
The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not always know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know what he's saying there? In essence, what he's saying is, even when we don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit comes along and He helps us pray. He helps us with words that are ununderstand, that we can't understand them in our own. They are groanings which cannot be uttered, it says. But, he says, the Father, the one who searches the hearts, knows exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying. And that Father intercedes. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit helps us. Sometimes we come and we don't necessarily feel like lifting our hands or singing or praying because maybe we're just so burdened and so worn and so tired, we just don't know where to start. And at those times, maybe we just stand and pray in our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to work through us. But we worship because the Holy Spirit works through us. John 4 and 23 says, The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is looking for people to worship Him. He says, God is a spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Worship is not about us, is it? It's not fleshly, he says. It is spiritual. And because it's spiritual, we need to prepare our hearts when we worship God. Ecclesiastes talks about that. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. And listen to what he says here. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth nor let your heart be hasty to utter words before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. The wise man says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Be careful when you go to God's house. Prepare yourself when you go to God's house, when you approach worship. And notice what he says. He says, to draw close to God is better than to be heard. That when we worship God, it's not about what we want to say. It's about what we want to hear from God. In fact, words might not even be required when we worship God. It's very possible that you could walk into this auditorium and maybe no one is here and you could sit down in a pew in just the silence of the room and you could be worshiping God. Words aren't always required. Sometimes we don't even know what to say. And that's why when we worship, it says the Holy Spirit helps us. And finally, worship allows us to pour our souls out to God. And our souls need to be poured out, don't they? Sometimes we carry such heavy burdens. Sometimes we carry hurt from whatever has transpired in our lives. And we walk around day to day and we carry that with us. And isn't it good to know that we can come to the house of God and by worshiping, we are pouring out our heart to God? Isn't it a good feeling when you've carried something like that and you finally, at one point or another, you finally bow your knee somewhere and you pray and say, oh God, I need your help. And just the the feeling that he has lifted that burden from us is such a wonderful feeling. Worship pours out our souls to God. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, You shall love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, and then he says, with all your soul and with all your might. So then the worship here in our loving of God, it involves several parts of our life. With our might, and that's our physical strength, so worship is a physical act. With our heart, and that is our emotions, but also with our soul. That is really the depth of who we are. And he says, this needs to be poured out. Psalms 42 says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. David speaks and he says, I remember so dearly the times when I was able to go to God's house and pour out my soul before him. Psalms 25 1 and 2 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. We need to pour our souls out to God. Maybe you're here today, and and who knows what's going on. You know, we, we come to church sometimes, and we just don't know what's going on in other people's lives always. You might be here today, and you might be really hurting but you put the smile on just like you put the church clothes on. And you come and you make your way and you sing the songs like everyone else sings them. In fact, maybe you're doing your very best to hide what's going on in your soul. But God says, pour your soul out to me. Let go of these things. In the New Testament, we read the phrase, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just the good times. That's easy. That's easy. You get a raise at work this week, it's easy to come to church Sunday and shout hallelujah. But what do you do when you get a pink slip at work? That's a little tougher, isn't it? But David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. You go to the doctor and he gives you a clean bill of health. He says, everything's fine. Your blood pressure's good, your blood sugar's good, your heart's good, no cancer, everything is clear. That's a good time to praise the Lord, isn't it? In fact, some of you probably do a happy dance all around the waiting room as you leave the doctor's office. Praise God. But what do you do when the report's not so good? You praise the Lord anyway. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Our kids are behaving well. Man, when they're behaving well, you ought to praise praise them and praise the Lord. You don't believe in miracles. You watch a two- or three-year-old behave well. Praise God, he does miracles. Amen? But our kids are doing well in school, and they're healthy, and and they're developing well, and, and just everything is going good with our kids. It's easy to praise God then. But what do you do when it's not the case with your kids? What do you do when they're rebelling? What do you do when they're not doing well in school? What do you do when they are being drawn to the wrong friends? What do you do when they get old enough and they start drinking? What do you do when it's not going the way that you know that it ought to? He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We'll worship the Lord always because worship reminds us of God's greatness. Worship expresses our trust in God. Worship draws us closer to God. Worship allows the Holy Spirit to work in us. And most of all, worship allows us to pour out our souls to God. 
this morning, as, as I mentioned earlier, we've had a, a tragedy in the church. And those are times, man, when it is tough. I mean, we walk in and, and it's no way of denying. And there are times we've had like this. Anytime we lose someone, it's a difficult time. Remember when Brother McAllister passed? And I can't, it just the Sunday going into church after that, and even nowadays it is tough coming in here because it's just not the same, is it? Sometimes it's tough. And when these tragedies strike us, we say, man, how are we going to sing tomorrow? How, how are we going to praise the Lord? How are we going to do this because our hearts are broken? David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. If you have your bulletin, on the front cover of the bulletin is printed the passage that we read this morning. And as I was kind of studying this week, it just kind of dawned on me that that passage is almost like a commitment that we could make to God. I mean, think about it. It's almost like a vow here. He says, I will praise the Lord at all times. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know what everyone else is going to do. He says, but I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. Then he says, I will constantly speak of his praises. That's a pretty good commitment to make, isn't it? That I'm going to speak of God's praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Man, what a commitment that would be. If we leave here and say, this week I am going to brag only about Jesus and what he's done in my life. He says, let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I wonder if we could read that psalm together. And as we read it, I challenge you, make this verse your commitment this week. Let's read together. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come. Let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day. Father, you indeed are great. You are worthy of our praise. 